Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. In this special edition, sponsored by Canada Life, we will examine how the pandemic has interacted with some of the already ongoing trends to make the process of moving into retirement more complex and what advisors can do about it. Whether it's volatile investment markets, the changing employment opportunities for semi-retirees or the increasing need to financially support children, planning for retirement isn't as simple as it once was. So how is COVID-19 affecting a client's transition into retirement? By the end of this podcast, you will be able to describe how the pandemic has made it more complex to transition into retirement, identify what other ongoing trends were already making the move into retirement more complex to plan for, and explain what these changes mean for the advice advisors give and the way they run their firms. With me to help achieve this are Andrew Tully, Technical Director at Canada Life, Justin King, a Chartered Financial Planner at MFP Wealth Management, and Fiona Tate, Technical Director at Intelligent Pensions. We'll go through through you each in turn, just if you could give me some thoughts about how you feel that that process of transitioning someone into retirement has been made more complicated from your experience. Andrew, should we start with you? Uh, so, so I think we've seen a, a continuous movement over, you know, so this is not an overnight shift. We've seen a big movement over the last 10 to 15 years as, as people change the way they reach retirement. So, so it must used to be much more uh, people working right up full time, right up to the point they retired. But what we've seen more and more over the last 10 to 15 years is people gradually easing into that retirement. So perhaps going to part-time working, perhaps in some sort of voluntary basis. Uh, and that's come with the advent of, of more income drawdown uh, since, since the pension freedoms in 2015. Uh, people have had that more flexible approach going into retirement. So it's so beginning to take elements of their benefits at earlier ages, so perhaps tax-free cash to, to top up your working income, uh, and then gradually ease into retirement retirement or over a longer period of time. And Justin, what about you? For someone from someone at the, the coalface uh, of this uh, process, how have you uh, found that the issue has become more complicated over the past year or so? Yeah, well, I think um, I think the biggest, you know, the biggest difference I've noticed is that people are classically in that 50 to 60 year age group and They've either been raid redundant, they're um, moving to part time and through no choice of their own, or they're really kind of going, well, how does this really kind of play out? We're possibly currently furloughed or the what's happening to the business. And there's so much uncertainty that I think a number of calls are coming in purely about, OK, so what are my options? And Fiona, what about you? Um, I think it's actually fair to say um, that... The, the sort of client base that advisors are likely to have, both in terms of their, their wealth and the age that they're at, uh, are probably less impacted by COVID, perhaps, than other sections of society. Um, so we haven't seen large numbers of people getting in touch. But one thing that, that has changed is that we, we've seen some clients going more abruptly into um, what we'd call the, the transition. So normally we offer a, a transitional advice phase for people who are just coming up to retirement. Um, you know, we're talking to them about changing their investments and their sustainable income and all that sort of thing. And we normally do that sort of five years before people start to take benefits. But because of COVID, we have seen two or three clients, well, probably more than that, actually, that, that have gone without that transitional period straight from we think we're accumulating to oh okay now we're not now we actually need money um and that's necessitated doing a bit extra work in terms of uh risk profiling and and fact finding 
Justin, one of the things that Fiona touched on there is that the people who have been most acutely affected by the pandemic in terms of redundancies have been those who are younger, those who are early in their careers. Have you found that you've had clients who have been wanting to help their children, grandchildren more? Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, the classic, you know, the kids have finished university and they're trying to find a job. I mean, there's a lot of people that's difficult. And then the ones who have found work, they're working from home. So, you know, they're, they're, they're often with their mum and dad. And this kind of wasn't planned. It wasn't planned by the children. It wasn't planned by mum and dad either. And of course, if mum and dad are also working from home, you've got a whole, you know, a whole thing going on. So, I think, you know, the, 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 it's the, the mental health. I mean, even I, I was chatting to uh, a client the other day and his daughter is on a grad, graduate scheme um, with the railway and she hasn't actually been to work yet. She's been there nine months. She hasn't actually, but she's not, not actually physically met any colleagues. Well, you know, you know, when you're 23, part of the getting to know your colleagues and hanging out and 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 maybe going for a drink after work and all those kind of social impact. Um, she sat in her flat, um, not really knowing anybody, not really speaking to anyone except for doing her work. And I think the um I think I think parents are worrying about that. And um obviously, yeah. So um I think that it's the mental health issue really that's the, the real big concern. Not so much from my clients is the the f- financial aspects of it, as Fiona pointed out. The people we deal with are, are relatively affluent, but they are they are concerned for the future. And Andrew, what what are the things to bear in mind for somebody who might be interested in helping their their children or grandchildren uh, if they're you know coming out of university and finding that um, you know there's not the job market's not as vibrant as it potentially could be. Yeah, so so as just mentioned, and again, research we've done is that it's a, you know a significant number of people who who are going back to the family home. So so people who perhaps had left the family home but are now going back to the family home to to effectively live and work in that environment, uh, and that obviously brings costs, but particularly to parents who who might not have been expecting those uh, increased costs of of just feeding people constantly seven days a week. So so I guess it's it's a trying to help. Uh, those people perhaps move back out into their own accommodation over time. We all know that, that property in the UK is is extremely expensive. Uh, the, the budget yesterday introduced a, a few measures to try and help that. So those things around ninety five percent mortgages, which which might help uh, some people to 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 a degree, depending on which part of the country you're in. So it's a five percent deposit in London can still be you know a very significant amount of money for for those. Uh, that might be where parents can help. So, so increasing numbers uh, of, of people who are buying a property rely on family to help give that deposit or at least give some of that deposit going forward. Okay, you know, one of the uh, issues I touched on at the, at the beginning was this issue of investment volatility. We saw that earlier in 2020. We've seen it again over the past month or so. What, what a, sort of an impact does that have on, on planning to transition into retirement? That's been a bigger impact. Um, I mean, I'm, I've never actually been so glad of, of having done crash tests before because um, we, we found in uh, sort of March of last year, February, March of last year, we had uh, obviously we had a huge drop in value of pension funds. Um, but when we were contacting clients to say what was happening, um, a fair number of them were saying, well, actually, you did show me this scenario could happen and uh, that markets might well recover afterwards. And of course, they did recover very, very quickly. So we had a year of 
um, suspending a lot of uh, normal rebalancing, but we're, we're pretty much out of that. What is going to last longer is um, we, we've also revised our investment assumptions. Most of the investment houses have, have suggested that growth is going to be definitely less positive than it was in the last few years because we, we've had a very good period. And as a, as a result of that, as we're going through annual reviews with clients, um, the, the sustainability of their income has actually fallen slightly. So we've had to have some conversations about um, you know, whether or not they should really reduce their withdrawals, if they can reduce their withdrawals, or can they uh, use other savings or, or what can they do rather than just you know, carrying on regardless and hoping it will all get better. And Justin, from, a, from a, the point of view of a financial advisor, how have you held people's hands through this, this period? So we have a model of um, five years worth of cash. Now, the reason I've always had five years worth of cash is just that it gives, in essence, a lot of the clients who would approach us, if you actually look deep into all their behind the sofa and um, into every single account that they've got, they've got generally got significant levels of cash that they that they possibly aren't appreciating, if you know what I mean. It's kind of there's a few accounts here and, the, and here and there. So we're looking at expenditure. What is your guaranteed expenditure? What is your known expenditure? I mean, the the, the good news of the COVID crisis is um, is that the people haven't spent any money. I mean, retirees, I mean, they're, they're, you know, I'm checking in on their annual reviews and they've gone, well, we, you know, that we, we have two or maybe holidays a year and we haven't spent it. We're not going out for dinner, you know. So, um, yeah, they have got the kids eating out of the house at home at home. But but actually, it's still um, it's still a, a, a much reduced expenditure going forward. But yeah, so obviously we, you know, suffered the decline. Um, we balance off that cash five years with with a pretty much a hundred percent in growth assets in equities, um, and that's the balance that we put together in our portfolios. And of course, they fell. We had, uh, uh, as Fiona said, we'd 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 run the the lifeboat drill many many times to show what happens if it falls thirty percent. And you know, we've had an amazing recovery. I mean, uh, you know, within twelve months, we're up. We're up. We're, global equities. We're up. So. You know, what happens if we have a longer term kind of situation? I think I'm I'm talking to people about the possible reduction in uh, equity returns. And you think, OK, so what could the government do to pay off this bill? They could let inflation rise a bit. You know, I think that that kind of gets rid of <laughs> gets rid of debt over a long over a period of time, doesn't it? Inflation erodes it. The, the cash savers are the one who probably penalize. But then you may have get we might get a higher interest rate environment. I mean, the average in inflation in the UK since, I don't know, 1955 is about 5.7%. And if you get inflation rising to, you know, 3 or 4% rather than 2 then that shifts debt dramatically. But of course, if you get a higher interest rate which is with higher inflation, the expected people, people are investing in equities at the moment because – because of the return, when there's zero on cash, you look elsewhere. We have calls all the time from people who shouldn't be investors. You know, they really shouldn't be. They should not be. They should be not knocking on our door, and they're they're, they're doing so because they're getting zero percent. So there's a amount of money going into the stock market at the moment purely because of zero return. So your expected return on equities has to be significant against cash. If cash returns start increasing because interest rates increase a little bit, I think there will be less money going into the markets to sustain the prices. So again, as Fiona said, maybe a lower uh, expected return on equities or on growth assets. And then we've got to model that scenario. I mean, in our cash flow planning, we use a – an equity growth rate of four percent. 
you know, that's uh, that, and that, and that's before costs. I mean, that's relatively in historical terms is pretty low. But and with, and then you put a market crash into that with a recovery maybe over a five year period, and 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 it's as best as you can model, isn't it? Um, none of it, none of it is known. But just to explain this to customers and to clients, I think is um, again, as Fiona said, when you've modelled it already, when that market fall happens. We 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 said they said yeah you you've shown us this could happen you didn't show us it could happen it would bounce back in twelve months I mean I think we've all been amazed by that. Both these examples show show the benefit advisors can bring. So because I think these are great examples. I think when the market falls last year and you're a non-advised customer, it's very easy to to jump out of the market at that point because you don't know what to do. So so I think sometimes advisors can. Can can perhaps not realise the impact of of a of a do nothing decision type thing, and and when people are modelling the benefits of advice, it's all about you know the benefits that they're bringing, but we don't you know it's not necessarily always obvious to people that, that, that advice just to do nothing can be so valuable to clients. And Andrew, stay with you for, for a bit. You mentioned a little earlier some of the ongoing trends which were making uh, the, the the process of planning. Uh, the transition into retirement is more complicated. What are some of the main ones that you think are having the biggest impact? So I think there's a number of things. State pension is, I guess, one of the things. So, so we're seeing state pension moving out over time. So, so we've seen quite significant shifts, particularly for women. So we've seen a move from, from 60 to 66 pretty quickly. And that's not that's not going to stop anytime soon as it's going to go up to 67. The likelihood is it will keep going up beyond that. So so people are perhaps not getting state pensions as as early as they, they had anticipated, perhaps if you go back 10 or 15 years. Uh, so, so that might be altering uh, when they can afford to retire, potentially. Lower defined benefit income is, is another one. And again, that, that's been a long-term trend, but, but many of the people retiring now might have a little bit of DB income from, from many years ago, but that's going to decrease and decrease as we go over the next 10 years as many fewer people are going to have a, a DB benefit to give that kind of guaranteed base of, of income. And in a way, drawdowns relatively straightforward if you've got that nice you know bit of state pension income that nice bit of db income as your kind of guaranteed expenditure doing drawdown on top of that becomes much simpler but but if if you've almost got no guaranteed expenditure and you're and using drawdown in totality then, then that becomes a more complex situation for people to manage especially if they are you know, more risk averse because the likelihood is markets will fall. We know that markets will fall at times and then markets hopefully will also go up at times. So, so it's customers understanding that that uh, will, will be the situation. And I think we'll also just see more complex family arrangements. So, so we're uh, increasing numbers of people who are potentially supporting uh, elderly parents, perhaps who are going into care and things like that. Uh, who are trying to help children onto the housing ladder. So, so many of the people uh, who are retiring now or in the next 10 years are kind of in that squeeze generation. There's a lot of calls on the money from different directions, uh, and that doesn't make life necessarily simple. So, so I think a lot of complexity uh, for, for people uh, at, at the moment, compared to maybe when we go back 20 years ago when when people were largely just getting a DB income or an annuity and not saying that was a perfect outcome, but perhaps it was much more straightforward. There was less choices and decisions to make as people go through retirement. 
and and Fiona, what about you? From your point of view, what are the um, the main things that are making the transition into retirement more complex from your perspective? Um, well, I, I, I certainly pick up on something that Andy said, which was that um, we've got more of our clients who are thinking about retiring who are not the senior generation than, than we've ever had before. And it used to be, you know, 20 years ago, if you're dealing with somebody retiring, they didn't usually have parents to consider. And we're seeing more and more cases where that is the case. They're having to look after um, this additional generation and not just the one before. So I certainly would agree with that. I think two other things that, that we're seeing is that because people are, are staying uh, invested for longer, you see more changes in their circumstances, um, with one of the most obvious ones being health. Um, and we're dealing now with, with, with people having to, um, you know, adjust their lifestyle because of conditions, either with themselves or their partners. Um, and I think it's easy to forget that we've got COVID ho hovering over everything, but you've got ordinary life going on as well. So, you know, when somebody's, when a client comes and their wife is, is uh, just become really ill and they have limited life expectancy, then, uh, you know, they, they want to spend their money while they can and uh, make the most of it in those circumstances. And I think the, th the third thing that we are seeing a lot more of, um, I mentioned com complicated family lives, but there's also very complicated pension situations because people are really starting, um, you know, more and more people are coming to us with more and more different pensions that are all over the place and, uh, you know, looking to, to tidy them up and get them all working together. And we even, you know, we had a gentleman last week who had completely forgotten about a £250,000 fund um, and we had to do a rather belated sort of gathering of, of information. So, yeah, people funnily enough, don't always know where their pensions are. And, and part of the job is finding them. And, and Justin, how, which of these trends do you think have, have been the most uh, impactful on, on, on making the transition into retirement more complicated to plan for, from your point of view? I, I think it's legislation changes. I mean, you know, planning. I mean, you know, I get, I was, did a review with a client and I said, uh, he said, oh, it's time of year to just, um, you know, we, we know what you've earned this year. Um, so we can do your pension contribution. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get my 10 grand in. No, 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 you won't. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, you're four grand now. What? How can I pay? How can I provide for a retirement when I'm limited to £4,000? Now, I appreciate he's obviously earning enough money to be tapered to that point. But, but it's, you know, this was a real shock to him. It was like, you know, £10,000 was bad enough, but this is four. You know, so the continual confusion around annual allowances, lifetime allowances, and and the connection between all the dots. And obviously, you know, it's just, yeah, the continual chopping and changing with legislation, I think it makes it extremely complicated for people. So not only is understanding the arrangements, then understanding the investment philosophies and where, where to invest the money. Um, uh, you know, th yeah, there's lots of, there's huge challenges here. Gosh, and trying to do that on your own, I think is tough. And I suppose we just saw the um, recent budget that uh, the lifetime allowance has now been uh, frozen uh, again. So yeah, continues, I guess. Uh, though, I suppose for planners, there's a, I mean, obviously we've got some uh, consultations in the next few weeks coming out as well, which I think is going to change everything. But at the moment, you kind of know where you are. <laughs> I just want to know where I am for a little while. I just don't want to, you know, know what you've got to deal with. And then you can plan around that as much as you can. One, one thing I do think with um, a concept we have to get over, actually, is people think retirement planning is all about pension planning. 
it, it, it's not. It's about saving enough for your retirement. That, that's it. Now, there's lots of ways to do that. Pensions are very tax efficient ways of doing it, but there's huge amounts of other things that we can do. And we need to get the clients, the public to think about that. Every pound you save today is a pound you can save in the future. It's a pound you can spend in the future. Well, that, just that simple concept, just save a pound and you've got a pound for the future. You're just deferring some, some pay. And then we can then think about, okay, so what's the most efficient way of saving that pound? Of course, and that's where we, we can really help them out. But actually, let's just make sure we are saving enough to spend in the future. And, and Andrew, from that point of view uh, that Justin raised earlier about uh, just things changing on such a regular basis, allowances going up and down, is there anything that um, planners can really do about that? Or do you just have to sort of let yourself be taken by the tide of uh, whatever the government wants to do? Yeah, it's it's incredibly difficult to predict what, what any government is going to do. Uh, I mean, Justin mentioned the lifetime allowance. Just, you know, in the last 10 years, we've seen the lifetime allowance go down from, you know, 1.8 to 1.5 to 1.25 to 1 to be frozen, to go up by CPI now to be frozen again, you know, in, in one very short period. And that's really difficult for us working in the industry to keep up with, you know, for someone who really doesn't know much about pensions that is just incredible complexity so you know we really ideally need a period of stability to give people the confidence to save for the long term and and particularly when we are asking people to put their money away for you know 10 15 20 30 years it, it's difficult to do that if you don't have confidence in 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 how that money is going to be treated and if you think the rules are constantly going to be changing what can we do about that? That's very difficult. I think there's certainly some some uh, simplifications which can be made. Uh, things like money purchase annual allowance, I think, in particular at the moment, given our COVID situation that we talked about earlier, of, of people perhaps being made redundant, having to access a pot uh, to help them through that period, but again, not being able to top it up or being very limited and being able to top it up again. That doesn't seem a particularly sensible policy objective. You know, the government wants people to save for retirement, but again, it's severely limiting their ability to do so in certain situations. So, so, so it does feel to some extent that some parts of government are kind of going in one direction and some parts are going in a slightly different direction. Fiona, I wanted to pick up on something that you said a little earlier about the different generations uh, living together. Um, and to what extent does retirement planning, uh, pension planning, now involve a level of inheritance tax planning, maybe um, a level of planning for what's going to happen with the family home, maybe something to do with care and equity release, bringing all these different elements together? Is that um, becoming more and more important? Well, I, I think... Um if you're doing a, a cash flow planning that you certainly would want to take all of these things into consideration so um as justin said you know we, we aren't really just talking about pensions um and and therefore uh, there are other assets out there and some of them are slightly less prone to having the the tax rules changed as well or they have been up until now so you would certainly be looking at the the rest of the assets that the client has um, I mean, obviously, the, one of the main ones would be property and, and what, what might happen with, with the property and how actually you can um, use that property. When many, many of our clients um, don't, before they come along and talk to us, don't perhaps appreciate um, the, the inheritance tax 
situation with pensions and I've had quite a few or quite surprised and you know okay when I die what you mean no tax um well not not if you're if you die at the right age you'll be fine and you know we can arrange that if, if necessary um but <laughs> using the pension to to help with that it, it's it's certainly everything has to come together care very few people have thought about but care is a really difficult one because you know care isn't uh, something that uh, everybody would expect to happen on balance, we would all hope, we won't all, but we would all hope we would reach a point where we can stop work. But most people wouldn't hope that they will end up in residential care. And we know that uh, one in five people will, I think the figure is, but we don't know which ones they are. So you need a slightly different solution there. And I, I think that is where sometimes the property can be of great, great help. But then you can't if you've got other people living in the property with you at the same time. One thing I, I was going to mention earlier, and it's kind of related, is when people do get fixed in their heads what different vehicles and savings and assets are for. And we sometimes have conversations about that because um, we, we've got lots, we've come across quite a few situations. Clients have got ISAs and they're their rainy day money. And a rainy day comes along and they keep it because it's the rainy day money and they want to spend their pension instead. And, you know, we then have a conversation about actually which one is it more efficient for you to use at this point in time. But we've been telling them for the last 20 years, they'll have a pension when they're 55, 60. And they think, oh, well, I, I'm entitled to it. It's mine. Don't keep it away from me. And we're trying to say, well, you know, we're not. Keep it for your future. Use something else that wouldn't cost you as much um, in terms of giving money to the government. Uh, and just we've spoken about a lot of different trends over the past half hour or so. Have any of these changed the way in which you provide advice or in the way in which you run your firm either over the last year or um, specifically relating to the, the pandemic or more broadly over the last few years? I think obviously the, the the obvious one is that we've all gone to video conference and clients adopted the, have adopted to it very well. Uh, uh, providers are suddenly getting into speed, up to speed with providing digital signatures, which is yes, amazing for us as a business to make it more efficient. And we'd been doing using digital signatures for our for our own um, uh, letters for a number of years, but but actually having providers doing it is just a godsend. It just makes it much more efficient with documents. Just you know, someone wants to make a withdrawal from their pension fund. We're doing a lot of the kind of classic personal allowance stuff at the moment, plus tax-free cash. And um, you know, it, it, the form's gone to the client. They've signed it. It's back to the provider within an hour. I mean, you know, it, that 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 helps us dramatically. Other trends, I suppose. We again using technology. We used to provide. You, you may know that we've. Uh, I have a podcast, Retirement Cafe podcast, and we used to do live events, Retirement Cafe live events, where we would be basically trying to help the whole of the community learn about financial stuff. We used to put them on for free in a hotel. Anyone could come and I would have guests and expert speakers to come and talk about wills or powers of attorney or dementia or trusts or what any financial issues. And of course, we can't do that now. So we took those online. Um, and we've had we've we've had a lot of people join us for a, a video conference, I suppose. Um, again, a similar thing. We did a lot uh, March, April, May, because we felt there was a real heightened need for providing and, and being in contact with people uh, to around financial issues at that time. So yeah, I think that we've we've, we've significantly shifted in the last twelve months. I'm looking forward though to getting back. <laughs> to meeting people live <laughs> and shaking hands and sit in there and have a cup of coffee. I mean, I think we'll do much more of this, but 
uh, I also think that, yeah, I am looking forward to being with real people. And have you been able to get um, all the people sort of together that you need, for example, the different generations, different people involved in, in the process? Yeah, I, you know, one one benefit has been is that solicitors and accountants have embraced uh, um, uh, using video, and therefore you can have those lovely meetings where you have the three of you sat there. Um, you know, the solicitor, accountant, lawyer, client. Brilliant. All not had to go anywhere. All party to the meeting. All discussing what's going to happen. Great, everyone, off you go. Um, and a video recording of the meeting. I mean, to me, that sounds. It feels particularly efficient, uh, and it seems to work. You know. So I think. Um, whereas, in the days of trying to get all those individuals into one room, would have been a bit of a, mm. bit of a yeah difficulty. <laughs> mm. So, uh, and, and online scheduling, scheduling, I mean, you know, I just share my calendar out to people. They go on to candidly.com, meet with Justin, and um, people can see where, when they can book a meeting and they just book it. And again, that's really easy for people, isn't it? That's really, you know, it, it, these things, I wasn't using that but, uh, 12 months ago. And Fiona, at your firm, how have things changed uh, again uh, to tackle the uh, um, themes that we've been discussing over the past year or, or more broadly? Well, very much the technology. Um, and I think what COVID has done has forced a lot of people to make changes that they've perhaps been thinking about but hadn't got around to doing. We certainly had been thinking we'd like to do more virtual meetings with clients. Not, you know, not all of them, but some of the more routine ones for, for people who don't need perhaps the whole thing every year. And we've been saying we would do that. And then suddenly we had to. Um, so, and I think the providers, I suspect, are in the same position. So all this sudden ability to, to take the signatures, um, you know, it just wasn't a priority before. And then suddenly it was. So that's a big change. Um, another one that I, I think, though, that is affecting business um, is um, the sort of reduction in paperwork. Now, I don't mean that there's actually less um, to go through, but it's not all on paper anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we went there was certainly a period where advice was all about getting absolutely everything written down, everything signed, making sure the report covered every possible eventuality. And now the, the, the regulator is kind of turning it back towards, well, actually, we want something that the client can understand, which is fabulous. Um, so that, you know, you need to have the details, you need to know you're right, but you don't have to put everything um, down in front of the client to read because they won't. And, uh, you know, they, they probably never have done. And, and Andrew, what, as a provider, what have, the, have the expectations, the demands that advisors have had from you have changed much? Yeah, I can, I can take a, what the guys have said is is a, a lot of it's about that online functionality. So, so and that's been, I guess, something that's been happening over the few years, as Fiona's talked about, but it certainly accelerated very much over the, over the last year. Uh, so, so things like our... Uh, Pension contracts, probably eight to five, ninety percent of cases, it's all online, no signature needed at all. So, so that's you know that, and in a way, that's even better than having to get an electronic signature. If we can do it with no signature at all, that that's you know probably the, the best place we can get to. So, so I think looking at all those ways that we can make everyone's life easier, uh, trying to support the advisor community. So we've been running. Uh, webinars uh, each week for the last year or so. Uh, so. So again, 
you know, previously it was all about doing face-to-face -face events and running rounds of seminars and things like that. But uh, and, and hopefully we will get back to that to some degree. But being able to, I think some advisors have found it, found it great, just being able to do uh, some CBD as and when it suits their circumstances and do it remotely without having to travel a couple hours to a hotel or whatever it happens to be. So, so I'm sure that to some degree that will continue because I think the certainly the, the feedback we've got is it's it's been really really useful to people to do that kind of thing online as well so. mm. i have to say having crossed over the line from delivering these these seminars to now being in receipt of them it is it makes such a difference to be able to watch something as and when you can so i do want to get back to to um the bigger meetings every so often but um you know Every time Canada Live put on a seminar and it happens to be at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday and I happen to be doing something else, you know, I can now see it. I can't see it live, but I can see it and I can go through it. Whereas before, when it was a live event, you were either there or you weren't, you know, so it is hugely. Useful. And it was probably half a day of your life, at least, if, if not yeah. longer, potentially. Yeah. You can probably buy online some of those little pastries that you get before uh, <laughs> before every conference, and get one of those huge jugs of uh, coffee that never seem to pour that never yeah, seem to pour coffee properly. We've been sending coffee vouchers to people just to try and keep up their coffee fix. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, that's um, been very interesting. Uh, thank you to Andrew, Fiona, and Justin. Thank you to Canada Life for sponsoring this podcast, and thank you very much for tuning in. Tune in again soon. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.